Manscaped presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Also brought to you by our partners at Foundation Physiotherapy, Ballistic Sports, and Georgetown Honda. This week, Jesse Carlson explains what would possess a person into throwing a 90 mile an hour fastball at another human. They hit like nine of our guys in three games and it was just like, okay, enough of this. Like, I'm, I'm going for this guy and I hate the Yankees. I've always hated the Yankees. <laughs> I've always hated Posada. And now, here's a guy who's also not afraid to show his displeasure by chucking a high heater your way. You piss this guy off, and you'll get about 30 miles an hour of rolling fury coming at you. It's Barry Davis. All right, now, just wait a second, Tom. When we were rehearsing this, you started with, I think, 50, and then the second time you did 40. Now you're down to 30. How, how hard do you think I can throw? That's not true. That's not true. I never said 50. Oh. I never said 50, right? Okay. I said 40, and then I thought about it. And, like, my son Liam, when he was about seven, he was chucking 40. So that's why, you know, when we had the technical difficulties and, and had to redo it, that's why I adjusted to 30. I thought 30 ah. was a fairer measure. Ed editing on the fly. See, I would have been honored at 40, but I don't know if I'd hurt anybody at 40. But it, it can hurt. <laughs> Welcome to the program, folks. There's Tom on Barry. Now, if you are watching, you saw that little little bit off the top of the brawl at Yankee Stadium. It happened in 2008, and the guy that is responsible for that thing happening, Jesse Carlson, will join us. And Tom, he holds nothing back, and I mean nothing back. What an amazing conversation we've got in line for everybody today. And the stories that come out, um, you know, the the Posada brawl is one thing, but there's some amazing stuff in here about former Blue Jays teammates. And and he really does. He lifts the veil and and shows some amazing perspectives, amazing stories from a pretty crazy time in Blue Jay history. Yeah. You want to know who his least favorite teammate is of all time? Jesse Carson <laughs> will tell us exactly who. who. Oh, this, this is, is one of the most candid and uh uncensored conversations we've had on this show you are in for a treat today folks uh what we do here on out of the park now each and every week is not only speak to a former toronto blue jay but we also talk to a future toronto blue jay and this week we go to the new hampshire fisher cats and mike ellenbest who will join us and he's also a very interesting young guy and we're going to get his story on his climb to the major leagues and what exactly that's like especially after last season where there really was no minor leagues so stay tuned for that we will also speak with raj sapaya because tom each and every week we have another blue jay injury to talk about and this week we're going to talk about danny jansen and the hammy <laughs> when we return more of tom fourth first of all uh and secondly uh is it cool that josh donaldson has outed Another major league player. We'll find out next. There's Tom Ford. I'm Barry Davis, and you're watching and listening to Out of the Park. A play ball. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And the first pitch is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped, the company that brings you the Lawnmower 4.0. And you'll see across your screen. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code out of the park. You will save 20% and you'll get free shipping. And Tom, I am happy to say that I have now figured out how to use 
my Manscaped 4.0. And it's not that it's hard to use, but here's one of the cool things they have on. They have a travel safety switch, meaning that, you know, you throw it in your bed. And how many times? Oh, you know how many times I've been on the road and I'm going through security and my bag is buzzing and they think, what the hell is it? And it's my, it's my razor. It flipped on, right? So there's like a little thing that prevents it from turning on if you don't want it to turn on. And I had that on. Now I know how to turn the thing on. And, uh, well, I'm using it on my face right now. I'm going to tell you. Uh, yep. It's made to be able to safely use on any parts of the body. But I'm using it on my face, and it's been incredible so far. Yeah, I was, I, I'm was. i actually curious about I'm curious about that as well, because I've been using it everywhere but my face. And, and again, as I said, I've, I've had to groom and take care of myself for years for hygiene, for health reasons. And it is seriously the most amazing trimmer I've ever used, period. So, and I've had it, what, like a month now. And I've never been happier. Well, this is good to know. And I don't think I need any more detailed information on how you use it and where you use it. But the main thing is you use it. Manscaped.com. Go put in that promo code out of the park and save yourself 20% and you will not be sorry. Great gift for Father's Day. Father's Day is coming up. I think every dad could use one of these. Okay? Okay. So uh, this past week, Josh Donaldson faced Garrett Cole. And if you'd missed it, uh, Garrett Cole faced the media and really had a hard time answering the question. We use spider attack while pitching. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean. So it's a real interesting one, Tom, and a great story in the New York Post, actually. And it was written by Joel Sherman, a fantastic writer. Here's a New York writer who's actually saying that Josh Donaldson had every right to call out cheaters. And I love Josh. I wasn't sure if this was a smart idea for him because he's still playing in the game and he still has to face these guys. But I tell you what, he shows a lot of balls for doing this because... Uh, he feels that strongly about what's going on, knowing that guys he's calling out could be aiming for him, but yet he still did it. I really don't have any issue with that, as long as if it went the other way and there was accusations about offensive players cheating, that he understood why people would call out hitters. Yeah, and here we are again, right? It's that age-old... It's like a merry-go-round. Every time we find a way to stop people from cheating, they find a different way. And this one is, is again, I, I really have trouble being upset with the players over this. Um, just like the steroid scandal, like this hasn't happened in the closet. This hasn't happened in quiet. You know, if you're just watching TV, you can you can know these guys have been doctoring balls, right? And it's been growing and growing. Trevor Bauer has been screaming about this for what, four years? And and I mean what Bauer did, Donaldson calling calling out uh, Cole is great, but Bauer beat him to it. And Bauer, I mean, he tried to stop and 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 bring attention to this problem for years, and then finally he gave up and said, you know what? If if we're not going to stop cheating, I'm going to cheat myself. 
a cheap better than anybody else. And looking at his spin rates, guess what? I mean, he won the Cy Young in 2020, openly mm-hmm. cheating. Yeah. So, you know, it it's you're right. I don't know if it's smart for Donaldson to 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 want to jump into the fray, but it looks like it's certainly a fray starting. And you know, hopefully we're gonna move towards a, a better and more responsible way to to not cheat at the game of baseball. And you made such a good point because if Donaldson hadn't have spoken up, then this stuff would probably keep going on. You know, if if Bauer hadn't have spoken up, this stuff would have kept going on. It takes one of their own to speak up and out one of their own for Major League Baseball to go, oh, I think we might have a problem here. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Buck Martinez says he's been talking to, to different managers and different people in the game, and they notice, and you can even see it on TV, a baseball from 10 years ago was brown because it's rubbed up with mud, and I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Uh, it's usually one of the uh, bullpen coaches that will have the job of taking a big bucket of balls and rubbing them down with mud and then delivering them to the umpires, and these are your game balls. The balls are not as dark as they used to be. So I don't know what's happening with the baseballs right now, and it's pretty clear there's something that's going on. Stuff's been going on for years, but you see the good cheaters. And if you were to ask if, you know, Phil Necro when he was alive, he was able to cheat without being too obvious. But back then, people really didn't care, right? Guys would have nail files under their hats. You know, no guys memory would, boards. Right, yeah, exactly. So, but here's, here's something. So that's not, that's considered cheating what's going on now. But a catcher who has all these crib notes on his arm and is looking at notes, to me, isn't that like going into a test with cheat notes? Like, I, I don't understand why, like, if you're going to, if you're going to say cheating is, is not allowed, then you got to rid, rid of all of it. And, and the notes in the back pocket and the iPads and all that, whatever stuff, like, you may as well have the catcher now just prop up a laptop beside him and look at what's going to happen. Yeah. That's how specialized the game has become though. Right. Um, and you're It is. It's a slippery slope. And on either side of the slope, you got these people that are either demanding that you never cheat. And if you cheat, you're out of the game of baseball forever. And then you got the people that are actually cheating. Right. And, and I think the answer is in the middle. You gotta, you gotta figure out a way to keep the integrity of the game and keep it competitive and safe. And, you know, when you've got outfielders reporting that they can chip glue off of these things, then, you know, maybe we've gone too far. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I hope that they come to some sort you know, there's the part of me that's just kind of like, let them, let them use the craziest stuff possible. I want to see these dipsy diving balls and like all these crazy sliders, right? Like, you know, it makes it exciting for me. All the strikeouts kind of suck. So maybe we got to figure out another way to counterbalance the bats and, you know, just who knows, right? <laughs> we're, we're seriously, Tom, on the verge of somebody throwing a 98 mile an hour fastball, a guy hitting it and on contact, the ball absolutely just shatters into a million pieces. That's what we're going to have one day. <laughs> you know, ball just explodes. Titanium right. baseball bats at the major league level. That's just, you bring Wait, it all, possible. right? Right. Well, I mean, you know, look what they've done in golf, right? You look at a golf club from 30 years ago and a golf club from now. The balls go farther. Uh, even the golf ball is probably different than it used to be. But I don't know. It, it all depends if you're a traditionalist. If you like the game the way it's been played, which has included different kinds of cheating for years, then then you suck it up. But certain things maybe they, they need to address and address quickly. 
All right, Tom, we've got a busy show ahead of us. In a few minutes, we're going to talk to Raj Sapaya and find out about the latest Blue Jays injury, and that one is the hamstring injury to Danny Jansen. Uh, but up next, another future Blue Jay going to be joining us here. There's Tom Forf. I'm Barry Davis. You're listening to and watching Out of the Park. Yeah. Joining us now from the New Hampshire Fisher Cats is future Toronto Blue Jay. We're all hoping. We all know it's going to happen. Uh, Mike Allen Best joins us. First of all, uh, what is it like right now actually playing real games again after, like, 2020 was such a disaster, wasn't it? Yeah, 2020 was a weird year. You know, it's – I mean, a lot of guys didn't get to play. So, especially when we when we were here in Portland game one um, – you know, it's been like 600 some odd days. I forget the exact count, but you know, who's, who was counting, you know, right. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but um, yeah, it was like 600, 600 something days or something like that. And, you know, just being back on the field and, you know, it's still like not, not quite there yet that, you know, come to the realization like, wow, we're actually like having a season, you know, but um, you know, ever since game one, there's been high energy guys are just glad to just, finally be back on a baseball field competing you know because 2020 was a disaster of a year so you know all in all it's just good just, just to be back you know you know coming coming off a year like 2020 um were you throwing it all during the you know during your time off were you were you keeping in shape were you following a program um 2020 was uh the throwing program was kind of on and off i wouldn't say it was consistent um but uh, in, in regards to staying in shape, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a main priority. Um, you know, obviously, when you get time off of throwing, it's it's huge. Um, so if if someone like myself knew that they weren't really going to play in 2020, I try to like give my arm a break of throwing, but just try and focus on my body and get stronger, and uh, just to prepare for the upcoming season next year. I mean, obviously, at that time we weren't sure if we were even going to have the season start on time or if we were going to have another season this year. So, um, yeah, that was just my main priority was, you know, give my arm a break and then start throwing again, uh, you know, late in the fall. Um, but during that summer, 2020 was really just to get my body right. All right. Let's change the subject. Enough of that crap from 2020. Uh, one of the most important things on this, one of the most important things on this show is, is we, we have to talk about the wall art of our guests and like what's behind you. Makes me think I need to send a contractor to you. Put up some drywall or something. Like, we're, oh, oh, now I see it. Oh, shoot. Oh, come on, man. Turn the thing around. Where right, are yeah, you, I gotta, man? I got to switch seats here. Is this where they put you up in New Hampshire? No, no, no. We're in Portland right now at the oh, hotel. Right. Oh, you know, it's, yes. it's, you know, it's not. There you go. That's better. You oh. know, it's not. Today is not a good day. You know, it's about yeah, 60 degrees. It's about 60 degrees. When we got here, it was 90 degrees about, give or take, a couple degrees, but it felt like it was 110. It was so humid. So, like, just going from that to, you know, 60 degrees and overcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, if you're going to be a Toronto Blue Jay, we're going to give you some homework. You need to learn what 60 and 90 is in, in Celsius. Okay. You don't have to tell us now, but you need to tell us. And you need to tell us why Canadian beer is so much better than American beer. And this is all stuff that you'll learn as you get, you work your way through the system. 
yeah, yeah, I have to do that. I got, I got to do that. The, the beer one first. I think that one's more important oh, than yeah. that. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Are you a beer drinker? Yeah, I do love beer. What's your favorite brand? Uh, I drink a lot of Miller Lite. I like oh, Miller Lite. It just so happens that Miller Lite has been working with us, and we've got, like, a, a contest we're doing with them next month. So I'm going to send them this, and I've actually got some free beer coming my way from Miller Lite. So no way. Know, once the borders open, you know, maybe I'll have to bring some with me up to New Hampshire, you know? Yeah, yeah. If the, border, if the borders <laughs> open again. All right, All right so, so, Mike, uh, one thing that Tom and I have learned over the years is you can learn a lot about a person by their Twitter account. And uh, you haven't tweeted a lot. But one thing that uh, I've learned about you is as a pitcher, if I'm at the plate and I homer off you and I do a huge bat flip, you're not going to get mad. You're going to go, cool. It's yeah, true. I, like... Yeah, I mean, that, that, that doesn't bother me. I mean, if, if I strike out someone, you know, late in the game, high leverage situation, I mean, I'm going to scream. And yeah, like I'm going to celebrate that strikeout, right? Because I'm, I did my job successfully. If I make a mistake, on the mound and I hang, hang a slider, you know, make, make a bad pitch and the hitter capitalizes on that, then, you know, I got to tip my cap, you know, cause I made a mistake. You know, if I make a mistake and get away with it and he swings and misses, then yeah, that's fine. But if I make a mistake and he does his job and hits a, hits a bomb off me, then so be it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't always like that in baseball. And th this is something that's changed. And it seems to be changing quicker and quicker. Um, yeah. Your contemporaries, the, the, the guys that you're playing with on your team, the young up-and-comers, do they all feel the same way? Is this is is that sort of chip on the shoulder, you know, anger? Is it is it sort of bleeding out of the game? Um, yeah, I think I think a little bit. I mean, some I mean, you're gonna get different guys in the clubhouse, you know, on, on how they feel about it. Um, but it's just you know, a lot of guys have that different mentality to it. And, you know, some guys don't want to get shown up like that if they make a mistake. Um, some guys don't mind it. And, um, you know, I'm just like a believer. And if you get pissed off about that, and then if you get pissed off about, you know, the little or smaller things after that, it just snowballs into something bigger. So, um, yeah, I'm just, you know, like I said, everybody's different. Everybody has, has, uh, you know, different thoughts about it, different opinions. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you will see it. The guys will get pissed off about it. But, hey, it happens, and that's the game of baseball. You know, another thing that's changed about the game over the last 20 years, it's become a younger person's game. And, you know, maybe 20 years ago, if it would take you a lot longer to work your way through the minor league system. And now you're seeing – I mean, crap. I mean, you look at the Toronto Blue Jays team right now. Half of these guys were in New Hampshire just a couple of years ago. So it, it, does that give you guys down there a little bit extra boost of encouragement to know that, hey – you know, that, that next step is, is really close right now. Yeah. Um, you know, guys do know, and I mean, obviously that this year with, uh, you know, COVID happening last year, you know, it's definitely a little, just a little bit harder to get there. Cause I mean, that 2019, you see some guys get called straight up in double A, but this year's totally different, but having the younger guys, um, especially the younger guys that, that didn't play in 2020 and then, you know, some guys, this is their first full season. Technically, I mean, you know, 120 games, I think we, we play this year. Um, you know, that's a lot of games for, for some young guys. So, um, but having also older guys here to kind of, um, you know, help them along the way and answer any questions just to kind of stay healthy for a hundred plus games in the season. Cause that's a lot of games, you know, especially on the body. Um, but the younger guys, they just, you know, 
they, they bring a lot of energy, you know, especially for guys that have been around like myself. Um, we got some other older guys, you know, especially in the bullpen. And, um, it just, yeah, it just keeps the energy up, keeps the clubhouse good vibes and, uh, you know, it just, just keeps us going, you know. Speaking about the grind, and you've already kind of alluded to how difficult it has been after 600 days mm-hmm. off getting back into the season this year. Um, how are you feeling now, and what are your goals personally for this year? If, if this year goes great for you, where do you want to be in September? Um, yeah, so so 2020 was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a grind. You know, that's how every year is. And this year, I mean, my body feels good. I feel like I prepared well enough um over the year 2020 and also uh um in the off season as well like the winter i guess leading up to spring training 2021 um i actually moved down to florida for the off season so i was able to kind of you know my old body get the Mm -hmm. get the joints moving in the warmer weather for the winter instead of being up in ohio but um and then uh you know for this year you know i just i just want to be able to pitch well and and you know help my team win games especially you know if i'm a if i'm a back end inning guy, set up guy, whatever it may be. Um, just kind of give my team, set my team up to win games. And, you know, if hopefully, I mean, best case scenario in September, I mean, yeah, you know, well, if they're in Toronto, yeah, I want to be in Toronto. But, you know, if I'm in Buffalo, you know, it's the same thing. But if I'm in AAA by September, you know, I'll be satisfied. Okay, wait a minute, man. You, you, you claimed you have an old body? Okay, you want to see an old body? Tom, lift up your shirt. Show him what an old body looks like. Oh, you don't want to see that. I've got I've got the scar for my pitching injury still. So it would be, you know, it would be a cool, there'd be a cool story attached to a terrible sight that I'd show you. Listen, just because they just because in horseshoes they call it a pitch, doesn't mean you are a pitcher, Tom. Horseshoes are not baseball, man. Okay. By the way, Mike, um, so we were Tom and I were talking earlier in the show about this whole Josh Donaldson, uh, Garrett Cole situation. In double A, are, are are they cracking down on that as well? Like, is that something that is even talked about? Um, I mean, yeah, we talk about it amongst ourselves. Uh, we haven't really seen any umpires do, you know, much. I, yesterday, actually, uh, you remember Josh Winkowski? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a um, former Blue Jay. Um, he was pitching to us yesterday, and I, he was licking his fingers too much, I guess, right? And he wasn't wiping off, but it has nothing to do with that, but – that was the first time I've seen where um, an umpire actually walk out and say, hey, like, throw that ball away. Like, you got to start wiping off. Uh-huh. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, they haven't they haven't really cracked down on, you know, um, that's what I'm looking for, like uh, confiscating, like, any, like, gloves or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, have we'll you, see. I mean, it could change in a, in a second, you know. Have you as a player – uh, not to name names, not to ask you what you do. But if you as a he wants you to name names. He really wants you to name names. That happened. But I'll give it to you. And this is an easy question, right? Have you seen yeah. Have you seen cheating? Have you seen people applying substances to balls? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think, it, you know, it is a problem, but I don't think it's 100% of the problem, you know? You know, I've talked to hitters where they say, you know, we don't mind it because – if you throw upper 90s, we don't want to wear a 98-mile-an-hour fastball to the face because you have no feel for it, right? So it's like there's there's a thin line between the sacrifices you want to make in regards in regards to that. Like, do you, do you want to face a pitcher who has, who has control? 
or do you just want to face a pitcher who is everywhere in the zone? You have no idea where it's going. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's just a thin line, you know, plus in the way, you know, the analytics are going to like, it's like how I was saying before, I don't think it's 100% the reason why, you know, it's become so serious. I think it's, you know, they got these slow-mo cameras, guys can change grips and change their spin and, you know, the seam shifted wake now, I guess. And there's a whole bunch of other things associated with, with pitchers being more nastier, I guess, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really goes to show how times have changed because, I mean, when I was your age, players would never call out other players, even if they were on other teams, right? Nowadays, I mean, you know, we saw, you know, players call out what was going on in uh, Houston and now, you know, Josh Donaldson calling out pitchers that he knows are cheating. Uh, for guys that are in the system right now, like, do you guys look at stuff like that? And are you cool with that? Are, is that cool? If Donaldson calls out somebody else. Or are you guys kind of like, man, we're all supposed to be in the same family here. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely do talk about it, but um, it's at the point where, um, you know, the players. They, is somebody giving you a hard time? It, yeah. Johnny Barbado. He was walking by. <laughs> He's not wearing a speedo, is he? No, no, he's flexing his muscles. Or it looked like his muscles. <laughs> but um, yeah, in regards in regards to that, I mean, it's so it's so tough because it's like we haven't experienced it, right? If someone were to, mm-hmm. um, you know, we did like against Somerset, we had a guy, um, not to name names, I won't name names. Um, we had a guy out on the mound and he was going to it, you know, clearly obvious. And our pitching coach knew the Somerset manager, Somerset Patriots, the, the Yankees affiliate. And the manager said something like, yeah, if he, if he comes out again or whatever, it's clearly that obvious. Like there's going to be an issue. Like he's going to say something, but he never did. But it's just like, you know, that the famous line growing up, snitches get stitches. So I, exactly. You know, I don't he know. likes the grass. <laughs> So I mean I don't I don't know if you saw that I saw a picture on Twitter of, of Josh Donaldson and BP actually had a pad around his left ribs. So it's like I it's like he was he getting ready to wear wear a 99 mile an hour basketball off the ribs from Gary Cole or what? But I don't know. He's he knows what would happen. JD knows what would happen if if he, you know, he's got that catalog of pictures. It's just like if that happens, he's gonna have to wear all, you know, catcher's gear when he goes up the plate or something, because he'll probably get hit a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> could be something he's saving for his retirement right one last yeah. hurrah here you go guys <laughs> right. instead of a right. highlight clip of his career he shows a whole bunch of cheaters yeah tell his kids hey kids guess what i did man, in my career <laughs> oh, man. You, have, you know have you ever thought about what you would do in, in that situation like say you're you've got that step up to to the major leagues and you know if you can crank that extra four or 500 RPM out of your fastball, you know, it goes from, you know, a, a plus pitch to a plus plus pitch and gets you there. I mean, what's, what's your thought on it? You are such a shit disturber, Tom. I swear to God. <laughs> I, I mean, get all existential you, with this stuff. If you were to ask, if you were to ask nine out of 10 pitchers right now in the minor leagues, if you were asking that same question, I feel like nine of those pitchers would say yes. And it's just because they're, you know, they're grinding right now. You know, it's just like they'll do anything to get there, you know. Before we rack up, have you been up to Toronto yet? Toronto, the city that actually has the major. 
Well, the Jays haven't been up to Toronto, so you probably haven't either, man. Oh, right. <laughs> right, right. No, I haven't. I haven't. I've just seen pictures. Oh, okay. Well, when you come up to Toronto, uh, Tom and I will uh, will take you out for some poutine. Are you familiar with poutine? I've heard of it before. I've never seen it, never eaten it. Okay. Do you know what it is? No. What is it? Okay. So, so it's a big plate of fries. You cover it with gravy and cheese, like curds of cheese. And, and now you can get like different meats, right? You can do pulled pork poutine. You can do, like, oh. Like, oh, dude. And you it's had a, me it's a, fries. Well, it's a, whole, yeah. it's, it's a whole thing up, up here. here. It's, it's a whole thing up here. And we find that a lot of guys, when they make their first uh, stop in Toronto, yeah. once they've tried it, they're hooked. Now, you're going to have to hit the gym like regularly. But it's well worth it because this stuff, I swear to you, it's it's amazing. Five thousand calories a plate. I, I have yeah. a good metabolism, so I think that'll kind of counter counteract the uh, that carb load. There. Well, at your age, yes. But once again, do you want do you want to see what happens to you once you are our age and you eat poutine, Tom? Show show your belly again. <laughs> oh, he keeps trying to get me to take my shirt off. I just don't know. <laughs> Foundation Physiotherapy presents. The Medical Room. And we are joined once again by our good pal, Raj Sapaya from Foundation Physiotherapy. Raj, first of all, I, I do want to thank you for your patience because I'm having all kinds of Wi-Fi issues. My wi- By the way, if, if you are a Wi-Fi provider, uh, call me because <laughs> what I have at home really sucks right now and I need better Wi-Fi. So I'm using my phone and my data. So I, I actually kind of like the – Raj, don't you think I look really fit? Uh, in this shot with my phone? I was going to say, yeah. The, the, maybe you should stick to this angle all the time. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, iPhone 12. Your weight <laughs> must your weight must go on all your thighs then because we can't see the thighs. <laughs> he must just have the biggest thunder thighs. <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned thighs, Raj, because aren't thighs pretty much uh, – like are thighs anywhere near your hamstring or is the hamstring – below the like what tell me about the hamstrings this is what danny jansen's at with right now yeah yeah when you look at the thigh we look at like the 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 part of your leg above the knee right between your groin and your knee uh but it's the the front is the ham the quads the quadricep area and the back is the hamstring so the back of your thigh is your hamstring muscle it runs from your knee up to your butt and it's the muscle that's responsible for bending your knee uh taking your hip backwards uh, there's a lot of, you know, it, it's a quite a powerful muscle for runners, uh, just for driving a lot of power. It's also a muscle that commonly gets strained, uh, commonly gets torn because it's very powerful. So that's what the hamstrings are. For a major league player that runs into a hamstring problem like this, you know, this is a question that we, we kind of seem to tread over every week. Is this one of those things that can come back to bite him all season long? Yeah, I mean, he's probably had issues with his hamstrings before. Right. Um, and so he's probably going to have, again, it's one of those things where it's earlier in the season, they could probably take a bit more time off, rehabilitate him, you know, so he doesn't have to get worried. But, you, you know, these are the kind of injuries that you, you see like near the end of the season, they keep coming back because the guys don't take as much time off. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like, they'll, you know, what's the appropriate time off, they can probably rehabilitate him. But you might, you might see occasional, you know, recurrences with this hamstring, or it might, it might show up something else as a knee pain or his hip pain, or in another muscle because he's using some other muscle to compensate. Think about what a catcher does, Raj, and they are squatting, squatting all the time, in and out of a squat. So you would think that that 
the, the leg muscles above the knee would be incredibly strong. So why are we seeing catchers suffering from hamstring injuries so much? I mean, they're, they're incredibly strong. That's why they can do that. But they're also overloading it so much, right? Injuries are overuse is going to be normal for athletes because they're overusing just, just, there's another level than us, right? Whereas we might be able to be able to hold that squat for, you know, I don't know, very two minutes at that position before you get a hamstring strain. These guys can maybe do it for like two weeks. Right. Um, so it just goes back to their level of conditioning, right? Like understanding where the weak areas are now that he knows a hamstring and the knee generally is going to be a compromised area. It's like a lot of his conditioning program has to be on always stretching the hamstrings and strengthening the hamstrings. And obviously even going, once you go back into sport, um, we as the audience tend to believe that these guys are injury free and they are, they're not out from injury, but they still have to work on that muscle to make sure it doesn't get injured again. Cause that's probably their weak area. You know, a hamstring is something I'm sure you see quite often in your clinic. And, you know, in your experience, uh, when you're treating someone for a hamstring strain or, or, you know, trouble, is it generally something that you train primary or that you help primarily through stretching exercises, or is it generally a strengthening issue that causes these injuries? It's both, right? So we look at like acutely for pain relief, right? So someone's in a lot of pain, like I heard it today, uh, we're going to start with just like almost just rest, right? So initially just might be ice, some little bit of massage, a little bit of like rolling on it, right? Just to keep, keep the, keep the inflammation down. And then what happens is during that phase, the muscle gets tight because, you know, it's not being used. So then the second phase is you stretch it to get to maintain the length. And once you stretch it, you can start doing things like walking and maybe squatting pain-free, but to prevent it, right. To, from coming back is when you strengthen it. That's what I talk about the conditioning part. So, you know, with a little bit of stretching and some therapy, I'm sure that, you know, the athlete can get back onto the field, but to prevent this from recurring, that's where the strength component comes in. That's why it's very important for athletes, that strengthening component for them to work hard off the field is just as important to stay, to stay healthy. Raj, it's also important for us to uh, allow you to tell us where your clinics are, because we haven't done that yet. And uh, so let us know and let our listeners and viewers know how they can find you. Yeah. So you can find us at foundationphysio.com and we have three clinics in the city uh, whichever one's closest to you, west, the middle, and the east end. And then uh, we have one virtual as well. So if someone can't come to us uh, because of location or because of their injury, give us a call. We have a physio that can call and even just consult with you for 15 minutes, no charge, understand what's going on, and then help you make a decision from there. So check us out, foundationphysio.com. Raj, you're also the proud owner of the Lawnmower 4.0. And it's always nice to have people that have actually used it to tell our viewers and listeners what you think of it. Honest opinion. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I used it early this week. It was great. It felt great. Even the creams that they give you with it kept all my um, areas around my hamstring and, and other those little areas nice and clean and fresh. So, Hear that, Tom? Raj is clean and fresh. That's important stuff. That's all, that's all anyone should ever really need in their life is just to be exactly. clean. Exactly. I'll, I'll ask my wife the once a year we we she gets to see it <laughs> that's what it's come down to after this long of marriage so <laughs> so God bless just to clarify raj um the hamstring has nothing to do with pork right oh very okay i'm gonna go have a ham sandwich we'll talk to you next week please, please. oh <laughs> that's, that's the worst that's the worst
joining us now is a former Toronto Blue Jay pitcher sporting the flat brim hat, Mr. Jesse Carlson. Jess, I swear this has been a long time since uh, I've seen you back in those days. And, you know, we were talking just before we went on, thinking about how many years you were with the Blue Jays. And for some reason, it felt to me like you were there longer than you were. But what was that time like for you with the Toronto Blue Jays? Because I want to get into some of the teammates you had, too, because you had some pretty crazy teammates back then. Yeah. What do you remember about your time in Toronto? Oh, I mean, I remember everything. It it was um, obviously a a great experience um, to be up there. And I'm from the East Coast originally. So the fact that I ended up in the AL East, I grew up watching, obviously, the the Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, all those teams. So it was pretty cool to actually be in that division um, playing. And, uh, you know, just the city was great. Uh, Like you said, the teammates were great. Just the entire experience of finally being able to get up there and and see what it's like. Um, There's really nothing like it. And just overall, everything that you hear about it, it it doesn't really put it into words. It's just a fantastic time and, you know, by far a great time in my life to be able to get up there and, um, you know, showcase what I was able to do. Uh, It was really fun. If there's one thing at all, when you think back upon that time, that sticks out in your mind first, when you think about Toronto, what, what might it be? Um, the overall city, the overall city. Uh, it was just a fantastic place to be. Uh, the people there, extremely nice, um, great fans. And um, obviously the, 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 the park in itself was just fantastic. And um you know, we would pack that place uh, quite a bit and um, just being around the fans and, and the stadium and, you know, the retractable roof and all that, just the city in, gen- in general. I, I really loved it. Jess, one of the things we, we really love about having former Blue Jay players on is everybody's path to the major leagues is completely different, right? I mean, we've talked to Scott Richmond, who's had all those years of, uh, you know, independent baseball. We've seen guys that were, you know, number one picks. You were in the minor leagues for seven freaking years before you made it to the major leagues, Jess. Were, were you getting to a point where even you were saying to yourself, okay, like, if it doesn't happen this year, like, I'm going to think of something else I'm going to do for my, my career? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it definitely, you know, was frustrating at times. Um, you know, just because what people don't understand is – you could be really good and still not be getting a chance. And, you know, I kind of felt like at times, what else do I possibly need to be doing? Because I had a lot of success um, in the minor leagues and I was putting up really good numbers as well. And was just kind of flip flopping around with, with, with teams year to year, which I think was hurting a little bit. Um, and when I finally re-signed back with the Blue Jays, um, I, I went to double A again for like the fourth straight year. And I was just having a terrible season. And I remember calling my dad and I was like, you know, I really don't know how much more of this I could take. I feel like I'm kind of backtracking now from where I was and I don't really belong here. And he just, you know, kind of kept motivating me to keep going and I ended the season 
kind of strong. And then I just decided I was going to go play some winter ball down in Venezuela and um, kind of get out of Connecticut and try to just, you know, have a different experience. And I heard a lot of things about pitching in front of pretty hostile crowds down there and just to be really uncomfortable. And I was down there for about three and a half months. I did really well. I re-signed with Toronto and I came back to camp that year in 2008 and I was just dominating um, whoever I was facing and they were putting me against um, the really top quality guys and uh, whatever role they were putting me in. I was doing well, one inning, two innings, three innings. And I just came in with a, you know, a lot of confidence and I didn't really care anymore. And uh, that really helped. And then, like you said, about five or six days into the season, I got called up in 2008. Uh, Tom, you and I have to attest to this because this was so cool to hear you say, Jesse, about how you were at the point, you were on the brink and you had a chat with your dad. On our show last week, we just spoke with Mark Burley's dad. And when Mark Burley was a junior in high school, he had been cut two years in a row and was that close to quitting. And he had a chat with his dad, <laughs> basically, and his dad talked some sense into him. What do you remember about that talk with your dad when you were on the brink? Well, obviously it was it was upsetting, you know, because I knew I was better than what I was doing, but just for whatever reason, I, I couldn't get it together. And, you know, obviously it was emotional. I was I was upset. I was just like, you know, what, what, what do I need to do here to, to figure this out? And, you know, my dad's great. He's always been there for me and my family. So, you know, it was just father, son, just, you know, keep going. This is, this is what you do. We know you got it in you. And I just bared down and, you know, kept grinding away. Cause that's what, you know, sports is, is gonna, you know, duty. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to test you in a whole bunch of ways. And, um, you know, I just kept, kept grinding, man, kept, kept going at it, found some success and, you know, confidence is everything, man. Once you get your confidence back, you know, you could be, um, very successful. You know, I think you've already answered this question back when we first were talking about breaking into the, to the Blue Jays, but, you know, was there something that took you you know, you had that amazing experience down south and you came back, you said you had confidence. And the one thing that really stuck out to me is the not caring, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, because we've had this talk with a number of different pitchers who that seems to be a light that kind of goes off in their head. And I think it's Todd Stottlemyre has said that to us. Yeah. Uh, and I forget, maybe was it Frazier as well? May have been Just Frazier, that, yeah. that not caring. Um, but if you, you know, looking at your 2008 season, because it was an amazing season for a reliever and yep. you're know, going for seven years in the minors, you get up to the majors, you do that well. Was it all the confidence? Was it all the not caring anymore and just going out and performing? Or were there other, was there another big thing that happened maybe mechanically or maybe cognitively as well that, that led to that success? No, yeah, I just, you know, in baseball, when you get that momentum going and like you said, that, that momentum and confidence, I had it in spring training. They, they were putting me up against all the big, all the big names in every lineup. And I, I was just mowing these guys down. And, 
you know, they called me into the office and they're like, you deserve to make the team, but you're not going to make the team. And it didn't bother me. I was like, you know what? I showed you guys what I could do. I came in ready to go. And, you know, I was happy. I, I was happy. Obviously I wasn't happy. I didn't make the team. I definitely felt like I deserved to break with the team. I think I went like 10 or 11 innings, gave up a run and it was, I think my last outing. And, um, you know, like a week into the season, I get called up and I was just like, you know what? It's the same game. I was facing all these guys. So I'm just going to roll with it. And um, right off the bat, I got put in a very tough situation. My first big league outing was with the bases loaded and extra innings. And uh, Derek Barton, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Three pitches, <laughs> toast. And um, then I pitched the next day again. So it was just, it's just, you know, man, I had confidence. I had a lot of confidence in, in what I was doing. And it was, like you said, it was a great year and, um, you know, nothing mechanically. I, I wasn't doing anything different than what I had done. I was just, you know, throwing really good pitches. It, it seemed quite often and not making many mistakes at all. Yeah. I think it was, you know, one of your first outings and it was a few days after your, your debut, you faced the Texas Rangers at, at Skydome, I still call it Skydome. Uh, you come in in the 11th inning, bases loaded, one out, and then you strike out the side on 12 pitches. Now, we've talked to hitters that say when they're in that groove, the ball looks like a beach ball and everything slows down. What is it like from a pitcher's standpoint? What kind of feelings do you have when everything you throw is going swing and a miss? Yeah, it's... It's great, man. You know, you know, when, as soon as that sign gets put down, you're going to throw something and it's, it's like, you're just willing the ball past the hitter. It's like, who, who wants it more? And you just feel really good with the ball coming out of your hand. And that night I had a little extra uh, motivation as well. Cause I used to be with the Rangers organization for a year when Buck Showalter was there. And I had kind of a successful camp and he like called me into the office and he was like asking me to rate my pitches. And I've never heard anything like that before. This guy wanted me to rate my pitches. So it was <laughs> nice to stick it to him that night real good, even though he wasn't there, but that the organization, you know, cause players don't forget things like that. <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> curious, what did you rate your pitches? Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that night, yeah, they were pretty much unhittable. But I was – that conversation that we had, I, I you know, I, I didn't even know it. I was very shocked at it. And I was just like, look, what uh, what am I supposed to say to this? I, I, I could get guys out. I know that as far as, like, rating my pitches, like, you know, what, what do you really want me to say, you know? And um, I never forgot that. I never forgot that. So that was nice to – face that team pretty soon there was a lot of interesting things that happened in that 2008 season <laughs> and i remember well i remember john gibbons being let go mid-season and then you know cito gaston makes his triumphant return to toronto as players uh i remember gibby telling us that he knew the series before that it was happening it was happening soon as players do you get a sense that something's going to happen soon. They're going to fire Gibby's ass. And, and in some ways you're all thinking it's our fault. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of noise going on um, a lot of the time with that. And there was definitely, you could feel the tension in the clubhouse and, 
you know, I, I personally loved Gibby. Um, you know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about him. Tell Fraser uh, he, that then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fraser, Fraser, Fraser can't stand the guy. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, everybody has different relationships, obviously. Um, you know, Gibby, I, I really enjoyed. And I actually remember personally calling him. Um, I think that off season, I, I personally called him and thanked him, you know, for giving me a chance and having confidence in me and told him that I would play for him uh, any day of the week. So that was pretty cool. He appreciated that. Speaking of Gibby, speaking of coaches, like in your career, um, was there ever a coach that really helped you on your way and helped you find success? Uh, you know what? Honestly, um, you know, coming up, I, uh, you know, even as even at the little league level, I was playing um, two years above my age group and, you know, having people have a problem with it and um, middle school level, I wasn't even going to make the team. So high school level, my coach, um, I love, love the coach, but um, you know, he would always uh, fuel me by saying things in the paper sometimes like, well, he's not pitching against, you know, the really good teams. And I'm like, coach, I'm pitching against whoever you want me to pitch against. And I keep beating everybody. So it was, it was honestly, man, it was never easy. Um, you know, being a smaller guy uh, as well, you know, there's a lot of talk out there. You're too small, you know, don't throw hard enough and, and things like that. But, you know, as great as all the coaches were and they help you, you know, a lot of them do motivate you because, you know, you deal with, with a lot of things as well, especially coming up that, you know, you're told you're not good enough. You're not big enough, all these things. And they just fuel you to, you know, keep going and prove people wrong, especially in baseball. You know, you, you don't have to be a certain height or size to get people out. If, if you're really good, you're, you're going to do well. And eventually I, I got a chance and, you know, tried to make the most of it. Jesse, those years you were with the Blue Jays, there it was an interesting group because you had a lot of young guys that were going to go on to become, you know, really big name players. I mean, Aaron Hill was just, you know, reaching that cusp. Adam Lind, you had, uh, you know, Ricky Romero in there and so many guys. But then you also had Roy Halladay. There was a time where Frank Thomas was hanging around the team for a bit. I mean, and I, I know a lot of the pitchers would talk, a lot of the guys we've had, Cecil Telesis and Jesse Lynch, about the fact that they, honestly, Doc scared the living crap out of them because he was so intimidating. Uh, I Maybe for starters, it was a little bit different, but when you were a reliever, did you have much interaction at all with Doc? I did. I actually did. Roy, uh, he was the first big leaguer that I met um, in 2005 when I came down there early because um, – being in Connecticut, you know, it's just terrible to be here for the winter. So I went down there early. I walk in and it's Halliday at like 7 a.m., 6.30 a.m., getting after it on a bike already. And him and Donovan Santos at the time. I and Donovan. I kind of, yeah, I remember in Donovan. So, you know, obviously I'm like, oh, my God, first, this is the first first real big leaguer I'm actually meeting. And uh, it was Billy Koch was down there at the time, oh, too. Man. <laughs> there's so, another character oh yeah so i kind of 
you know, built a little relationship with him in 2005. We would, you know, the three of us would always be working out together and stuff and learned a lot from him. But yeah. And then even in, uh, 2007, 2000, then 2008, obviously, um, it was the first time I was actually on the team with him, but you know, Roy was just, the guy was locked in all the time, but, um, you know, he would always say hello. And I, I honestly had a good, good relationship with him. So it was pretty cool. We, we all, I went golfing with him one time actually as well in spring, which is a rarity for him to do. He used to come and play some cards a few times as well. So really cool. And um, yeah, he's missed. Yeah. I got to ask, how was he on the golf course? Did he take it as seriously as he took baseball? Yeah, he did. He did. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we, we had a, we had a good bet going that year as well. We hit up, uh, what is it? What's the, what's the Innisbrook, right? We, oh, hit yeah. up Innis, we hit up Innisbrook, like Copperhead or whatever, real hard course. I remember they come in one day and they're like, yeah, this guy shot like a 126 or something. I was like, what a 126? That's terrible. So they're all laughing. They're like, do you even play? I was like, no, not really. So me, BJ Ryan and Dallas and Doc. So they're like, we'll pay for your clubhouse dues. For the whole year, if you shoot under a 125. Oh, oh no. Yeah, and they start us on the the 10th hole with like 200 and something yards of water right in front of me. <laughs> and there's like 15 other dudes behind us. And <laughs> oh, man. I piped the first one, but it goes left right into the water, and they're just <laughs> laughing. Next one, I hit a ground ball into the water and Doc's just in my ear. And I'm like, oh, my God. So long story short, though. We're on like the second to last hole. I'm right on pace. I'm right on pace. I'm on the green. I got a huge puck coming up and Doc just walks right by me and he just zings me with like a one liner. And I'm like shaking now on the green and I end up like three putting. And I shoot a 126. Oh, I no. miss by a stroke. Yep. <laughs> yep. And any, Roy had a lot to do with it. Any recollection what Doc shot that day? <sighs> you know what? I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall. He was pretty good. If I had to take a guess, I would probably say it was in, it was in the 80s. Those guys were pretty good. Jeez. Yeah. Do, you, do you still golf now? I haven't, and uh, I haven't in a while. I used to go with my father all the time. Um, he unfortunately had gotten cancer a few years ago. Uh, he he's, he he passed it. He's he's been in remission now for a few years, but um, it really limited his ability to kind of get around. So it's it's been a long time since since I've played because we used to go and do that together quite a bit. Jess, where did you fit in in that clubhouse? Because as I said, you had a, a group of veteran guys that had been in the league for a long time. Then you had a bunch of young guys. And then there's you who spent all that time in the minors. So you were a rookie, but you weren't a young rookie. Did you find yourself kind of being able to relate to both the younger players and the veteran guys because of that? Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, when you get up there, you want to go about doing things the right way and, you know, respect everybody that's in the clubhouse as well. 
And at the end of the day, you really just want your teammates to respect what you do as well. And, you know, I honestly was getting yelled at for not talking as much, not wanting to do things as much because I was just like, you know what, I, I know my role. And I just got up here and, you know, it's not like today's game, man. These, these guys got two months in the big leagues and they're walking around with their hats on backwards. Like they're the, like they're junior nowadays and things are a lot different, but yeah, I, I, I ended up getting along with it with everybody and, you know, they ended up respecting what I brought as well. And it was really nice to see how everybody else would go about their business. And you learned a lot, but I was really quiet for sure early on until they finally said, you know, loosen up a little bit. So. I like talking about that team respect and, you know, it brings up a question that I definitely wanted to, to ask. Um, when you're kind of given the direction to throw at a player, let's say, well, I like how this comes out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. there, there's a pretty big play that you were involved in back in the day against Jorge Posada. One for three. And that's thrown behind Posada. And if you wonder, is that an answer for Aaron Hill? And I... Was it an order to plunk him no. for that? No, it wasn't. So was it, it was. an accident or did you take it upon yourself to stand oh, up no. the team? Come on, man. I'll, yeah. You think I, yeah, we're in the show. We're not going to miss a spot by seven feet. I mean, I tried <laughs> to, hit, I tried to absolutely drill this guy as hard as I could. And that's what my problem was. I tried to do too much with the pitch. And, um, you know, the whole thing behind that was you go back and look at it series they hit like nine of our guys in three games and it was just like okay enough of this like i'm i'm going for this guy and i hate the yankees i've always hated the yankees <laughs> i've always hated posada and i just thought it was a good time to take a shot and unfortunately i missed them by quite a bit and you know but yeah, nobody directed me to do that, but I thought it was the right thing to do for our team because we were getting drilled the entire series. So wow, that's like uh, Tom the story that Josh Towers uh, shared with us. And, <laughs> well, yeah, there's another batter he couldn't hit. Right, he was trying to hit and he couldn't get it over on that side of the plate. Yeah, yeah, it was just you know I, I tried to throw it so hard and you, I just yanked it so bad and. Oh. If I were to do it like they, they, we faced them again and they wouldn't bring me in. They wouldn't bring me in the face. I was going to, I was going to drill them again. I was going to hit them again and they wouldn't put, they wouldn't put me in uh, to face them. So I so think they knew I was going to hit them again too. That's why. A few weeks ago, uh, Kevin Pilar got drilled right in the schnoz with a fastball and dudes bleeding all over the place. When you're a pitcher and you don't mean to hit someone, and that happens. How disheartening is that? Like, is that just completely like buzzkill you? Yeah, definitely. That that's uh, obviously a, a scary situation. And glad he's 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 doing better at least. But yeah, that would just mentally that would just get in your head. Um, you know, obviously a, every now and then a pitch is going to get away from you. There, there's nothing you could do about it. But if it happens to hit him in the face that's a that's a whole different story because you could affect him for life with that and um 
very unfortunate. And yeah, that, that would, that would, that you'd be a little bit intimid, timid to, you know, be throwing inside again. And until you would probably be real comfortable, you know, getting some more outings out there of doing that, you probably wouldn't even try to throw inside again. Man, I don't like, would you almost say it's as bad from a mental standpoint as being hit by a line drive yourself as a pitcher? Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah i would think so um yeah that's a good way to that's a good way to phrase it right there yeah it's it's not something that is you're you're comfortable with at all and you know they're like there's a big difference if one just gets away you hit him in the arm or hit him in the leg and you know they're okay but to, to see a guy go down um you, you just you don't ever want to see that yeah, in Toronto, I think most fans remember. On I, I remember as a Blue Jay fan, Tony Fernandez taking one in the face back mm. in 90. And I remember it was a Jay Happ that took one coming the other way. Um, now, I'm looking Halliday, at the Halliday took one off the head in yeah. Pittsburgh. Line yeah. drive off the head. This guy didn't even get phased by it. That was, if I'm not mistaken, that was Cito's first game as manager or it was yeah, his last. Yeah, it was, it was right around that turnover. I think it was Cito's right. first. Yeah, it yeah. was in Pittsburgh. It was in Pittsburgh, I believe. Yeah, and we came from Milwaukee prior. Right. Where yep. We were on like a nine-game losing streak or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it brought up. Sorry, the one thing I was thinking. I'm looking at that nice flat-brimmed hat of yours. Um, have you ever tried any of those protective hats? Because I remember they were they were piloting those for, for pitchers for for years with like the guard in the front of them, and then they just kind of disappeared, and they don't seem to be doing anymore. Yeah, I, I yeah, I never never got into it. Um, you know, you, obviously, I've been, I've been hit by a comebacker before. You know, in the leg, in the back, uh, a few times. It's it's going to happen, but you know, you just have the trust that you're going to, you know, fortunately be able to react to it, even though sometimes it's you hit so hard, you don't even know it's, it's coming at you, but yeah, I, I, I never uh, really worried about that. Jesse, one of uh, our favorite parts of this show is uh, each week we invite some of our viewers to come on and join in. So uh, I'm going to press the magic button here and get uh, them all in. And uh, they're each going to ask you a question. So uh, say hi to, you've got, uh, John is the other gentleman there. We have Sue, we have Fiona, and coming up here, hopefully momentarily, uh, we're also going to have Tara. There she is, there's Tara. And Jesse, we're going to start with Tara because I don't know if you've ever met Tara, but when she found out you were going to be on this show, she insisted that she would be part of the Zoom, so... <laughs> Tara, say hello to Jesse. Oh, uh, hello. Hello. Hi. Okay, there's something you're not telling us here, Jess. You got Super you know. Fan. Ah. <laughs> Super fan. There she is. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good these days. Good to see you. What would you like to ask Jesse, Tara? I'm just curious what he's up to these days. Yeah, so these days um, I've been in Connecticut for the last few years and uh, just been spending a lot of time with with my family and my brothers. And um, I left Florida a few years ago and I'm back here now just 
spending a lot of a lot of time with my family and my mom and dad had had both gotten sick uh, with cancer. So the last few years have been, um, you know, really tough to deal with all that, but everything's been going really well. And, uh, you know, that's it. Spend a lot of time with, with the family and just enjoy myself. Okay. I have to interject here because Tara, I want to find out how did you become a Jesse Carlson super fan and Jesse, what was that like when you found out you had a, cause you know, all pro athletes will have fans, but it is the chosen few that end up with a super fan. So Tara, let's start with you. How did Jesse become, become the guy? You know what? I honestly don't remember. I just remember I saw him at an autograph signing for the Jays and decided that was the one for the season. And then a few years after that, Yep. Must, must have been the bald head, Jess. Yeah, maybe. I don't think it was completely, it wasn't completely bald at that time. I was holding on, just still holding on, Barry, you know? <laughs> well, hey, if you do want to keep your head nice and trimmed, we now have a sponsor uh, here, the Lawnmower 4.0 by Manscaped. And with the promo code out of the park, you can get one for 20% off and free shipping, Jesse. Okay. There we go. I'm done. So what was that like, Jesse? Like, I mean, you obviously are aware that you have fans, especially being in the bullpen. There's always the guys that and girls that sit in the seats above the bullpen. But when did you find out that you had a, a super fan? Well, she obviously she she was going to every game and, um, you know, was right behind the bullpen area there. And like you said, would come to all the autograph sessions and, and things like that. And, you know, I was just always nice to them and they were really nice to me or her and her friends. And, um, yeah, you know, we were always friendly together and she would come travel sometimes. And, uh, you know, it was just great. It was, it was great that, that, you know, people, um, support you like that. Awesome. Tara, thank you so much for your question. And, uh, thank you for joining in on this uh, zoom. This is your first one with us. Uh, Fiona, you've done a few, so you are up next and uh, say hello to Jesse. Hi, Jesse. It's a pleasure to meet you. You too. I'm just wondering through your career, if there's anything you thought you had to give up in your life to be a major league baseball player. Good question. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You give up, um, you know, quite a bit, uh, even, you know, interacting with, with friends and, um, you know, going on vacations and, and things like that. If, if you want to, you know, be your best at the, at the best level, you, you sacrifice a lot of those things and a lot of your free time, you're, you're spending practicing and playing and there's really no time to, you know, have much of that, uh, those interactions that some other kids get to do. Cause you're always striving to, you know, keep going and, and reaching that ultimate goal of being a major league baseball player. So yeah, not, not, not many vacations and occasionally you get to spend some time with some friends, but you're always, you know, striving to, to be the best and practicing and, you know, working on your craft as much as you can. So it definitely affects things. When you played social media was not what it is today. Uh, but did you still like when you made it to the big leagues, was it all of a sudden everybody that you ever cross paths with in your life was trying to reach out to you and say, Hey, do you remember me? 
you know, how about tickets or how about this? How about that? Barry, you know what? The kid's off the grid. The kid stays off the grid for a reason. Never had it. Never had it. Never wanted to have it. Yep. Yep. No, no. That's it, man. I just, you know, um, obviously people were like getting my number from other people blowing up my phone as far as that was going. But as far as them trying to reach me through any of that social media, it never happened. Cause I was just like, you know what? I understand. Uh, I understand it all. It just wasn't for me. And yeah, I just, I flew under the radar, man. So unless I'm giving you my number or seeing you out, you're not going to be able to get in touch with me. <laughs> that's, how, that's how i got it you know uh, yeah uh sue you're up next sue say hello to jesse hi nice, sue nice to see you again nice um, to see you well you know all these people here or what <laughs> <laughs> go ahead sue um i saw a picture of you at a raptors game with adam lind and i just wondered if you're still in touch with him or if you still follow the Raptors they haven't had a very good season but um or any of the other old buddies that you used to hang around with are you still in touch with them and maybe one other thing if I can slip something else in here it's a favorite question of mine but with watching so many baseball games during COVID and the late night games from the west coast and everything I'm intrigued by this box that they have and the disputed calls that are balls and strikes and i just wonder what's your opinion of robot umpires oh that's good let's do that one first and then we'll get to the other questions too yeah i'm not a fan of the, the robot umpires at all um you know you you want to you want to be able to trust the umpires back there and you know sometimes it's hard to do they, they do have a tough job uh you know but they, they do miss a lot of calls quite often and it's unfortunate. Obviously I'm not quite sure where, where it's all going to go, but yeah, time after time you're seeing pitches that get missed. So just like you, I'm very interested as to where that's going to go in the future. But as far as what I'm not a fan of it, I think the umpire should still be there. And the second part of the question was, uh, teammates that you had and, and if you're still in touch with a lot of them yeah yep just uh just a few um for sure you know you definitely meet meet some some great friends and um you know you build uh some really good relationships there so yeah i i stay in touch with with quite a few i don't know if you want names but yeah yeah oh okay thanks for listening please your phone numbers as well <laughs> yeah so obviously fraser fraser yeah. um bj ryan i i talk with uh daily daily basis pretty much um sean camp oh another uh, name from the past yeah yeah downs is tired act um ricky romero and uh yeah me and adam lind we actually haven't spoken in a few years but um yeah he was he's he's been a great friend thank you thank you you're thank welcome you, Tom? yeah is there is there a teammate that you had that you hope to never see again Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Maybe a catcher? Uh, well, oh, let me we'll tell you something. Ra- we'll so let me tell you something. Raul Chavez. I'm telling you, this guy was telling the hitters what was coming when I was pitching. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. You look up. You look up my stats when I had to pitch to Raul Chavez. Every time this guy caught me, I was giving it up. Every single time. I hated it. Hated throwing to him. He'd call fastball outside. He'd be setting up inside, and I'd have to call him out and be like, what are you doing? Um, as far as another teammate, here's a funny story. Yeah, Barry, you ready for this one? Oh, ready yeah. For this Let, one, Barry? Give it, man. So 2008, 2008, right? I got, like, what, 70 appearances? So at the end of the year, we're taking a shower. Me, Litch, me and Litch are in there. Worst body in the show, by the way. Just going to throw that out there. Worst body in the show. Let's clean it up. You'll see this. Don't worry. <laughs> so me, him, and Shannon Stewart's in there. Shannon Stewart. Litch is like, hey, Jesse, you got to, you know, whatever, says something. Shannon Stewart looks at him. He's like, who's that? I'm like, what what did this guy just say and he's like hey yeah carl jesse carlson's like who's that played with the dude didn't even know who i was teammates with him for basically the entire season i'm like shannon i'm the guy that's been out there 70 times shoving you don't know who i am and i could tell he kind of felt pretty bad about it but yeah to answer your question i don't care about shannon stewart okay Tom, see the crap that you stir up every week, Tom. There you go. There you go, Tom. You know what? Next no, time yeah, we... that was funny though. That was funny. It was funny, <laughs> but it was like, man, like really? Okay, I, I guess. Oh, do I, I have to share it again then? This story, and it involves Fraser, uh, Brian Jerolliman, who was in the Jays minor league system for years. He's a good friend of the show. Uh, his first camp with the Blue Jays, what did I believe, two thousand and eight, and he was in the clubhouse for the first time. And he asked a clubby where he can get this and get that. And it wasn't a clubby. It was Fraser. (laughs) (laughs) So Fraser's never forgotten that, you know? Oh, no. Oh, no. No. (laughs) We no. we don't forget. We got to, we got to, our memory goes way back, Barry. We know. Yes. Yes. We know it all, man. Yep. That's, that's how I know you remember me because I probably pissed you off at some point and you remember. No, no, you were cool. (laughs) Oh, that's good. All right, we got one more. John, say hello to Jesse. Hey, Jesse, thanks for doing this. You're um, welcome. I have three quick questions about the Love and Brawl hugging event on September 15th, 2009, where you and uh, Posada had, uh, had your fun. Three questions. You were fined $3,000. Who pays that? You were the team. Second Good question. Question. Good question. You're, you're, Good question, you're, yeah. You're suspended for three games. Are you docked pay for those three games? And the third question is, is it, is it accurate that John McDonald punched um, Girardi in the face? <laughs> <laughs> that was a report at the time. <laughs> hey, again, Jesse, we don't fool around either, pal. Yeah. <laughs> we br- you said bring your A game? Bring it. Bring this it. Is- yep. The studio audience is my A game every week. Okay, so the first part of the question, yeah, I was 
I was fined uh, $3,000. And normally, yes, I was going to pay it. And then Roy Halliday came up to me and was like, good job, man. Don't worry about it. I got that 3K for you. <laughs> yes. So Roy Halliday wow. paid my fine for me. Probably because I was getting them like 30 logs of dip every single week and wasn't getting paid for it. But that's another story. But yes, Roy. So Roy Halliday paid it. Uh, second question was what? Uh, three games. Yeah. Were you docked paid for those three days? Yeah. Three games suspension. Yep. Didn't, didn't receive, um, didn't receive a, a paycheck for those three days. So that hurt. So that hurt a little bit, obviously, but it was worth it. And then the third one, John McDonald, no chance. Johnny Mac, Jesus himself almost is going <laughs> to throw a haymaker at Girardi. So <laughs> no, completely inaccurate. John, I remember that John was actually, you know, kind of freaked out about it because, you know, his reputation's pretty squeaky and, uh, he didn't want any part of that. So, yeah, that was definitely a, a false narrative. Just I don't know where that came from, but that definitely didn't happen. Well, they're the two nicest guys in baseball, I think. And it, it would just seem fantastic to me that that could even have happened. Well, yeah, John, it, in, your, in your mind, let's pretend it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't want to disappoint you there, but, uh, yeah, it, it definitely didn't happen. No. As, as a pitcher, when there's a brawl like that, like, are you not scared to death that something's going to happen to your arm? Your arm is your money. Like, yeah, Barry, I blacked out. I blacked out. I didn't know what was going on. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm Let me clear up something that, that actually bothered me because I declined to talk to ESPN that night. So I was like, I don't even want to deal with it. Don't want to deal with it. Listen. On the left side of the plate to even begin with. Well, let me explain to you why. If anybody knows baseball, Brett Gardner was up. He's a left-handed hitter. He hit the ball to the right side of the field. So what's a, so I immediately start running towards first base to see if Overbay or whoever at the time was going to field the ball. Okay. So why would I now all of a sudden run? across the field going that way when I'm already towards the first base side. So then I just lollygagged to go behind the plate. And when I'm behind the plate, he crosses the plate, throws me an elbow. And then I just blacked out, started cussing at him. And then I don't know what happened. Barry, somebody smoked me real good. I find out the next spring because Molina is with us. And he's like, yeah, I know you. I was like, yeah. I was like, who hit me in the pile? He's like, it was Posada. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. So I just wanted to clear that up. That's why I was on the left side of the dugout because I was going to cover first base. The ball got through and then I lollygagged just towards the left side of the plate instead of running across the field to go to the right side. So well, there you great. go. Wow. There's that. An exclusive here on Out of the Park, folks. There uh, you go. 
Jess, next time we get you on, we need to maybe get you on with Fraser because I think we could have a blast with the two of you on together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, that, we, yeah. But we will we will only talk politics, religion, and former managers, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Barry, I hear you're a huge dem, huh? <laughs> we'll leave it at that all right i i'm nothing i'm a canadian right we're, we're still locked in our houses okay so yeah. cut us some slack all right uh jesse met this was awesome thank you so much for doing this uh everybody that is on the line uh say thank you to jesse and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime thank, thank you, you guys yep thank you thank for the wow there it is folks jesse carlson uh that was something that was something. And I want to give want to give Jesse Carlson some serious props because he's already lined up our guest for next week. Former Blue Jay Josh Renicky is going to join us. And if you're an OTP insider and you want to sit in on that Zoom, feel free. Uh, we've got something even bigger brewing, and I don't want to spoil it yet. We have something really big that we're working on right now. And if this comes through, folks, this is going to be the show of all shows. So yeah. I don't want to give too much away. But uh, Josh Renicky coming up on next week's show. And... Um, what a great conversation that was with Jesse Carlson. If you would like to be a part of one of our future Zooms, uh, Tom, how can they be involved? Patreon.com slash out of the park. Three bucks a month, five bucks a month. Heck, DM Barrier Me. We'll figure out a way to get you involved in one of these Zooms, members or not. Love to get some people exposed to this and, and kind of show what we're doing to, to an audience that, you know, may not necessarily be on Patreon yet, but I have a feeling you know one conversation is all it'll take right exactly exactly and for those that are uh, new to out of the park and those who have not seen what we've been posting on social media we kind of have a new home for the show if you're watching we're still on youtube but if you are one that listens to podcasts we are now available on spotify which is absolutely huge tom Yep, we're everywhere now. So, and and by the time this airs, we'll be on every single podcast streaming. So, you know, iTunes, Apple, Spreaker, um, all of them. <laughs> you know, Sound, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, yes. and it, that's really cool. So wherever, yeah, wherever you get your podcasts, we're going to be there now. And now, we're if happy. you had, yes, if you had been subscribing to us on SoundCloud, we're going to keep the SoundCloud page up for a while, so we don't want to lose your. But feel free to move your subscription over to like Podbean or Spotify or wherever because that's where we're going to be generating most of this stuff too. Yeah, like the like the whole world could join us on Spotify. That's where that's that's the platform that offers us kind of the most uh a bit the biggest ability to get our stuff out there. So, I have a feeling and that's kind of where everybody's saying it's going to grow right now is, is Spotify. So, come on, see us on Spotify. <laughs>